0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show today. I have with me two of my absolute favorite people on social media, Heidi and Natalie from at buddy or macros. And we have an absolutely wonderful conversation, which I realize I probably say every time, but it really was a great conversation. We talk a lot about some of the traits of our more successful clients, some things that you might not normally talk about things that go a little bit under the radar. And we also talk a lot about some of our industry or coaching pet peeves and not stuff that bothers us, so to speak, but maybe things that we're just disappointed in or things that we find that are unfortunate. We talk a lot about uh, you know, relationship with the scale and how to improve it and how to work with it and why it's so something that we just talk so much about and something that we put on such a pedestal. It was a wonderful conversation, guys. I know you are going to love it. Enjoy the show. Natalie, Heidi, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys?
1: Great. Very well. Yes.
0: Awesome. That's excellent. It's a really, uh, you know, for the, those of you guys listening, we recorded this once already, but we had some crazy internet issues. And so we're going to go through this again. It was wonderful. And we really wanted to get it to you guys. But for those people who don't know you guys, tell us a little about a little bit about yourselves.
1: Absolutely. So I consider myself a fitness convert. Um, I got into it pretty heavily about seven years ago. Um, I am a CrossFit level one, I'm a Girls Gone Strong Certified Coach, Precision Nutrition Certified. Um, we love what we do. We love coaching women on um, creating the changes they want to see for themselves, creating a fit lifestyle, and um, pursuing their goals. That's what
2: we're about. So a little bit of background about us. We're neighbors. We live eight houses apart, um, and our page was born in a Wendy's drive-thru because we love to eat out. So that's kind of our initial shtick um, over at Butter Your Macros. I am Natalie. I am a... Uh, Mom, hairdresser, as well as also kind of a fitness convert, when I realized that I didn't have to run. You know, that was really like the big pivot in my life was that, hey, you can do something besides run. Um, also, Precision Nutrition Certified, Clean Health Nutrition, and um, Strength System International as well.
0: Oh, excellent. Wonderful. Great context. And I always like saying, from my point of view, when I have somebody on, it's just you could have an infinite amount of people on your podcast. So it's like, how do you pick? How do I pick the people that I want on? And I just think why I wanted you guys on is. And it's actually, Natalie, something you and I just talked about in our last check-in was, like, you, the first time I had come to your page, I I wasn't sure what to expect. There was a lot of good information, a lot of, like, like you said, it it was, there's a lot of good, like, restaurant-based how to track at restaurants. There's, like, a lot of good information, but you guys know way more and are way more knowledgeable and intelligent, like, on the in-depth science side of things. And I think people understand from just coming to your page for the first time, it's not just... It's not just a mom, two moms who did like an overnight weekend macro course and are just saying, hey, here's how you reverse diet. Like there's some really good shit there and really high IQ, really high EQ. Like I am a huge fan of your page. And it's also just super relatable because it, both of us deal with a demographic that's likely closer to you than it is closer to me. And so being able to, let's call it what it is, being able to speak from the first hand experience on a lot of things is super important. And uh, yeah, I just think that that's valuable. That's not... That's not normally the case. It's a lot of like, you know, regular people following a whole bunch of fitness people in their 20s who make this their entire life and who think that, you know, nobody's going to have any obstacles because they don't. And, you know, little do you know that this person has you know three kids and a second job and is trying to cook for the family or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, you guys, it's super relatable. And I think that there needs to be more of that.
2: Well, thanks. We are your average civilian, slash not.
0: <laughs> thanks for calling us average. Wonderful. <laughs> awesome.
2: No, it's true.
1: We really do make a point um, to be relatable, both with like the things that we feel like we've learned and grown and are successful at, as well as the things that have been really difficult. Because I, I to your point, that is probably one of our biggest pet peeves is people who sell fitness as like, the answer to all your confidence issues, the answer to all your problems. It's,
2: you know. And that it's only upward, like the trajectory is only forward. And it's like, in reality, that's not life, right? Yeah. And so, yes, there might be a little bit of like a, we are these like 40-year-old suburban moms, but so much more than that. And it, I also love that we proved the point that like, it's never too late to start something and it's never too late for a pivot. Mm-hmm. And um, you can be a brainiac and also drive an SUV. Nice.
0: <laughs> when, when did you guys start? weightlifting or weight training or resistance training and how did you guys get into that and where did you come from what's your like first introduction to exercising
1: so my first introduction to it was i mean i i popped into the gym here and there taking a couple classes and then falling off and whatever um but when i really was about seven years ago i really committed i'm gonna do this every day i'm gonna find a window of time and like just really see what can happen um so i started I had, I wasn't following any kind of program. I would just find like workouts on Pinterest or YouTube or whatever. And I just started learning little bits, uh, at a time, mostly doing hit workouts with weights. Um, and then it wasn't until Natalie started us at CrossFit that things really change. So I'm going to let her chat about that.
2: So for me, like I was a swimmer in high school, that was kind of my background. So I always attributed my like large shoulders to my swimming. And so therefore, you know, as I got into my twenties, it was like, Oh, I have to run because you know, runners are the way to lose weight and be thin. Right. When we, I didn't realize at the time that it's thin people that are great at running, not the other way around. We always just assume <laughs> that like, if you run, you're, you'll look like them. In reality, they look like them. And then they run really well. Right. So, you know, the ectomorph fight, but, um, honestly, on and off, you know, group fitness, definitely like at LA fitness and mostly the treadmill and, you know, the elliptical, cardio elliptical yeah. machines, because that is what you do. You burn calories and then you can go eat them. <laughs> Fake news. Right. Um, so yeah, we, she started lifting and then I was just doing workout videos in my home on YouTube. That was kind of where I was at. I graduated to 15 pound dumbbells. Um, one Christmas, it was very exciting because my husband and Katie were like, You might need something more than fives, but of course I didn't want to get bulky. Nobody wants to get bulky. Um, So that was kind of it. And then my girlfriend, Jenna, one day it was Christmas. Heidi was in Utah and I was lonely and I'm like, I'll go to CrossFit and the rest is history. So we've been there three years. So ever since then, the second you touch a barbell, your whole life changes and this is where we're at.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And it's not necessarily the segue I wanted to make this early on in the show, but I need to now because it's, I'm feeling like there's. Uh, you know, this idea of how people get into lifting weights. And there are things I think that, while I think that up on a pedestal somewhere for the, not for everybody, for the for probably the highest percentage of people is some form of like basic bodybuilding style resistance training, like having muscle, having strength, strong bones, you know, lifting, improving body composition. And I think that that's, that's cool and all, but it's certainly not sexy and it doesn't get everybody off the couch into into resistance training. And I think that there are certain things and I, we're going to go here now that like aren't necessarily optimal for people's goals, but are probably better at being inclusive. And so there's a lot of this, you and I have had, the three of us had a lot of these talks already about, you know, people who choose a style, an exercise modality based on wanting to look like the person teaching it or the person selling the program. And, you know, there are a lot of popular ones that you and I have had clients who come from that world to us because they are looking for something more, but and, and we can go into the downsides. What I wanted to say is as you guys were talking about your journey into, into getting to where you are into the style of lifting that you really like doing, like it, you did not wake up one day and say, wow, resistance training, awesome set of pros, awesome set of benefits. Let me go do that. You thought, let me be in a group setting with my friend and in a, somewhere like, and then going from group fitness to probably just classes moving over to CrossFit, which is like all of that plus barbells, plus actual more resistance training. And I just think that there's as much as I do put I do like resistance training, more structured resistance with a strength or hypertrophy focus, whatever you want to do. I put that up on a pedestal as probably what's best for the highest percentage of people, but that doesn't get everybody off the couch. And so there's a benefit to people doing stuff like Madeline moves or stuff like other, these, these big programs, um, that maybe aren't necessarily going to take you exactly where you want to go. Like if you're looking to build some appreciable muscle, like that style of a program isn't going to do that, but it's it's going to be a really great stepping stone and you're going to learn a lot. And honestly, we had just said this off air, that might actually be what you want. And we have been, not the beneficiary, but I think where we are and the people we serve are people that are probably looking for a little bit more than that. So sometimes you'll have a client who comes to you from that. And I think it's interesting and and also a good thing that there are these other fitness modalities, programs, styles of training that maybe aren't as physiologically optimal for what people want, but damn, like if it was not for like you randomly going across it and probably feeling empowered with the group setting and having a friend that went there. And you know, if I, if you downloaded a, a resistance a standard bodybuilding program, you probably would have never been excited to do that. And something about going to a group class, going to a CrossFit class, like got you up and introduced you to a barbell and you're probably very thankful for that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think what's interesting about that too, it's like sometimes, you know, and we've had this conversation before too, Jordan, it's like, you just really want to get women's or men's hands on a weight, right? Cause then it expressed some curiosity. Like what can this do for me besides this? And I think a lot of times people are just scared to pick one up in general. There's a lot of a huge intimidation factor. What we've been told like 2.5, five pounds, that's the way to go. Right. <laughs> it's like, if you get curious about what's open and available to you, that's when it opens up doors. Like Heidi and I always kind of initially lamented, like, man, I wish we would have found CrossFit like two years earlier, but like, who knows, if, who knew if we were even going to be ready for that? Like exactly, we were doing Pinterest YouTube workouts, mm-hmm. like in our houses, in our underwear taking whatever time we had or needed. That wasn't the time, right? We weren't like interested in slamming our bodies onto the ground during like, doing like 150 burpee box jump overs or hanging there from a pull up bar. We had no idea that we wanted to like be upside down or crying out loud, or, handstand pushups or anything. So I think that, yes, agreed. There is a certain place for every workout. Absolutely. But on the same token, if you think it's going to get you something and it doesn't ask why instead of just spinning your wheels for four to five years, thinking that it's still gonna happen to you somehow, or basing it on the person that you're purchasing the program for. But also look at that person too. If their bodies haven't changed in a year or two, I'd be saying something sure. about yours. Yeah,
0: and that's definitely not enough of a reason. Just so so and so hasn't changed their body, but it leaves clues. These things leave clues. And I think right. that there's some- we we'll curious. Yeah, yeah, there's some education that is not always immediately available to everybody of like physiologically, what do I, what are the adaptations I'm looking for? And then what are the modalities that are best for that? And if it's like, I want to gain a smidgen of muscle and, you know, stay fit and stay healthy, then you can, you have a much wider array of things to choose from because your, exp, your, your goals are a little bit less aspirational. And if you're like, no, I actually have a little bit of muscle and I'd like more muscle and I want to get stronger and I want to do it at the optimal rate, not at a snail's pace. So, okay, then I've, now I have a, a lot less things to choose from.
1: Well, absolutely. And to your point also, it's like it, some of these belief systems are so ingrained in women that they need a lot. They need time to transition. Like one of the reasons I think hit worked so well for me for a while was because it, it, I was still coming from the place of like, well, you've got to do cardio. Like, what are you crazy? And so like I incorporating weights was a nice stepping stone for me as well. And, and then, you know, but working out alone was actually really important for my confidence at the time. Like um, moving immediately into a group fitness um, environment, just my personality and the where I was at with my my confidence level. Working out alone was actually really important for me. But then, t- also to you to the point you guys are making, like when you go, you can learn a lot doing your doing things alone. But going to different classes, trying different modalities, you learn different things. Different stages. I had just started a bodybuilding program when Natalie and I started CrossFit, um, so I made a pretty quick change there and i realized the contrast was striking to me uh, how heavy i was lifting alone and how heavy coaches in crossfit were were pushing me to to lift i can't imagine how much longer it would have taken me without that push to really get to some heavy weights where i can see some really but like really building some strength
2: and seeing some changes well and the more specific the desired result that you want the more specific your intentional programming has to be i mean Mm -hmm. that i think that a lot of people don't realize they just think that like if i want this i can pick from all these things and it's like not really like if you want to make like you know broccoli raw pasta you have to have the right ingredients for it right but if you just go to the store and say i just will buy one of everything it makes it a lot more complicated to like figure out what you want right
0: yeah, I think that there's an aspect of fun as well. And so fun is an interesting word when it comes to like what type of exercise you're going to do because I think a lot of people think of fun as what am I going to enjoy in the moment? Uh, and that's legit. I mean, you should enjoy to some degree most of the time. Not, maybe not every single workout all the time, but it should be enjoyable. You should leave feeling better than you went in. And on average, you should be enjoying what you're doing totally. And that is why I think that there's some like – I think that there's something about the word fun and enjoyment that people inherently link with feeling of exhaustion, perception of tiredness and fatigue. And so it's like, I love going to Orange Theory because I leave feeling exhausted and I like that feeling because I associate that feeling with progress. And so there's a lot of like, like mental hoops that are being jumped through of like, okay, I, I need to be exhausted, I do this thing, I enjoy it because I need the exhaustion because the exhaustion leads to, I don't even know what. Um, but I do think that there's like a part of this word of like fun that is, okay, you know what's fun? getting the result that you want. That is also fun. Like I do I are there parts of like, you know, doing sprint workouts that are fun? Like just the, again, the perception of exhaustion that like endorphin rush sure. But like I want to build muscle. And so I want to be doing the thing. You know, obviously I do like lifting weights. I enjoy it totally. But even if, you know, you need to balance the fun that you have during with the fun that you have of getting the result you're after. You know what's fun is like getting what you want. And if Even if doing the thing that you need to do to get that isn't the most fun. I'm not saying everyone grit their teeth and just go body because you want to build muscle and don't incorporate anything you like. You can do that. But please, if you're thinking about what's fun, please think about whether or not the results are fun because I promise you they also are.
1: That's a great point. And it's, I mean, it's so funny how we can compartmentalize our expectations in different areas. Like that, you know, something like a, like a workout should feel super fun as opposed to like, do you have fun doing the laundry? Do you have fun doing dishes? Like you can make those things fun as well, just by the way you're thinking about it and different, the environment. There's a lot of different things that you can do to make the process enjoyable.
2: And the same thing I think with nutrition. I think a lot of people think that everything I eat has to be satisfying and delicious all the time. When in reality, that's not reality. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you are gonna have to have like a chicken breast and some broccoli just to like get you over. And I think the expectations around the decisions we make also need to be like modified too right Mm -hmm. and and if your intention is only to have fun while you exercise because exercise should be fun then cool but also know that your results will also be based on how fun it was right
0: (laughs) yeah i think this is a perfect correlation actually uh your food should be tasty and on in general you should be picking foods you enjoy but there's this other portion of this other input into the equation of what i enjoy it's like okay what am i getting from this food And so there's a, you know, again, a healthy spectrum of food is fuel versus food is comfort versus community and togetherness and, you know, heritage and all of that stuff. It's about finding that balance and the same thing with working out. It's like fun during, totally fun, you know, results wise over weeks and months and years. Absolutely. Find the right balance for you, for sure. I have a, I I have a question for both of you guys. I didn't anticipate asking, um, but I think there are a lot of people out there who are considering, I have clients myself, considering doing, some form of a nutrition course, whether it be just for continued education or they're looking to coach their family and friends or they want to start their own business. And the ultimate irony is when I had first considered, I was thinking, you know, do I go the precision nutrition route? Because it's a very reputable company. Do I go with Mac Nutrition, also a very reputable company? Do I go back to school and go through a traditional university route? Like, um, and there was one reason I did not pick PN. And I talk about this, you know, I, I'm open about it. And it was I have the book actually. I bought the book off of somebody and just read through the book before I decided about taking the course. And there was just a little bit of, and I'm asking for a purpose, not to just shit on it because I think it's a wonderful company. I think it's an amazing company. <laughs> I think it's an amazing company. The, the the behavior change and the coaching is amazing and the physiology, the information you get is crazy. But they're, they're very blatantly anti-calorie counting. Like how did you guys, like the rhetoric, if you read, I told one of my clients this before she started it. I was like, they, you know, they're going to, just keep an open mind because they sell you their own method. uh, And that to me was rubbed me the wrong way, but not in a big way, but I was just like, hmm, okay. Like, let me make that decision for myself kind of. But how did you guys finish that course and think, okay, uh, cool. I hear you, but you know, calorie counting and macro counting has a place. Like how did you not, I, I, and again, mind you, for everyone listening, I've not done the course. So I'm not saying that they're blatantly saying calorie counting is bad. I'm not saying that, but I just know that there's a rhetoric of like, let's do the PN method. Like how did you guys not go Mm -hmm. that route?
1: Well, and Girls Gone Strong is the same way. You know, they 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 don't encourage calorie or macro counting. Um, honestly, I don't. I'm not threatened by reading other people's theories about it. Like I, um, I thought that their perspective was super interesting and could definitely be helpful for a lot of people because it is um, is probably one of the things that people find. Probably the thing people find the most frustrating about macros is tracking, sure. weighing all of that. Yeah. So, um, depending on where you are in relation to your nutrition and relation to your goals, like where your lifestyle's at, that could be a very, um, a very a very good approach for for you. So, I, I really thought their perspective was interesting, and I agree. I think their coaching fundamentals are really good. Um, so that's sort of the. Going into it, I knew there was going to be a huge macro focus, so it didn't necessarily disappoint my expectations. But if anybody is a macro coach looking for a program to teach them about macros specifically, those would not be the ones.
2: I mean, John Berardi is brilliant, right? I mean, we love him. He's got incredible theories behind it. And I think when I went into Precision Nutrition, it was more of like an overall... Um, certification for like an overall large range perspective versus it being nutrition based because it really is designed more for i would say personal trainers Mm -hmm. athlete focused not so much civilian not, not so much gen pop but that being said they have pn academy which i'm also part of that actually does have like a department about teaching how to do macro counting and things like that but i think what heidi and i love the most is we just love geeking out and always, always expanding like our, our learning repertoire. I don't believe that you can be actually a really great coach without continually educating yourself on the daily. Actually. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who are out there who are like macro coaches, air quotes, Right. But it's like, what's your background? What, how are you expanding yourself? How are you continually adding and changing your theories and and researching? And so, by yes, um, we're a little bit of like certification whores a little bit. I definitely love me (laughs) a program. I always like to have one in the queue because that's important to me. I want to be able to be as cutting edge as I possibly can for the women that we coach. But that being said, you got to go seeking out for the information that you need. And a lot of times there's not going to be one program that's going to deliver that. Right. Like, just did BioLane Science of Nutrition, that's a fantastic one. He definitely does talk a lot about macro counting and definitely more of the things that, like, we focus on yeah. as well as you focus on. I would say his his science of nutrition is probably the most... Um, applicable. Applicable cohesive <laughs> all around. But at the same time, still has holes that, are, that need to be filled in too, right? Which is where the curiosity, just like the workouts, kind of goes into it, where you get a little bit bigger and broader than it just being like, I can create a custom macro count for you because we all both know that there's so much more to it than just the calories, which is what everyone thinks and wants you to believe. Mm-hmm. In reality, it's so not even like, <laughs> it's like literally the bottom of the barrel of all the things, right?
0: Yeah, that, so. that's that's true. I have clients all the time who want, and I love it. But P.S., just a shout out to Lane. I think his book, Fat Loss Forever, is probably... Incredible. Top book that I would recommend. And and even Mm -hmm. that book I there are some holes, I think. Whatever. It's a wonderful book. Probably the number one book I recommend.
2: Science, right? Science is holes, right? That's the cool thing about science. I mean, tomorrow there's gonna be something new that wasn't here today. Like exactly like even since just in the
1: time that we've been coaching in the past five years there's been so many things that have changed yeah. um diet breaks um totally new research about leptin levels all kinds of different things have been big it's coming out constantly
0: yep I, people are like you know have a lot of clients who want to do some further education and i freaking love that because i think that that yeah. spurs some really good high level t- discussion with clients and they're like what book should i buy and i'm like i'm like you know what you should buy like every single one of these books and then, you know, all t- 12 of these books and then read them all with an open mind and then talk to me about it. And then we'll, you know, con- aggregate like a nice balanced nuanced, And it, that's a difficult thing to do. And so it's almost like, oh, I want this one book or this one course. And you you said something super great about like just keeping an open mind, being open to other perspectives and like not, uh, it's tough because I don't know if this was you guys, but when I started getting into like reading about nutrition, I bought, uh, there are some books on here. I mean, I'm glad I hope don't ever show up on this podcast because I had to read through some books with, I didn't have an open mind. I didn't have a nuanced opinion on nutrition. I read it. I was like, oh, this is a fact. Good. Perfect. And it's difficult. And so I think that's something that you, that the three of us try and do on social media often is like provide that more nuanced opinion. But sometimes it's difficult. You have a client who wants to read a book or do a course and you're like, hey, these are the PN. I've i pushed a couple clients to PN, some to Mac Nutrition, some to this. And it's like, do that, but keep an open mind. It's not gospel. It's probably a lot of things in here that are 100% correct, totally. But keep an open mind, and if you hear a differing of opinion, like, let's talk about it. And so that is that is difficult. There are people out there who have done one course and think that that is gospel. And I have a lot of mm. friends who have done PN who are now super anti-calorie count. And it's like, okay, like, actually, I think the PN method can be amazing. It can be amazing. It's helped probably many, many, many people. But it should be a tool in your toolkit, not the thing oh that everyone God. should do for yes. everyone all the time. Well,
2: it comes down to just about anything, right? All these of nuances course. that you learn from experience and helping other people, you can't teach that in a book. It's like, I think it's kind of hilarious how people think, oh, well this person has like a, you know, personal training certification or a NASM or whatever. It's like, that doesn't necessarily make them good. It means that they can complete a course, right? It's like, my husband always likes to say like, anybody can go through college. Mm -hmm. you just do the work you get a degree (laughs) doesn't mean that you're necessarily like necessarily an expert in that field because i will really believe experts are willing to be wrong experts are willing to be challenged experts are also willing to be able to be like you know what i don't know let me find out and then dig deeper on that instead of it just being like this is the gospel this is what it is this is how it is because i took a certification course it's like totally there are many things that we agree with pn on absolutely they have a really really rigorous amount of information that are constantly turning out, but we are also in love with so many other modalities and, and ways of learning too. And that's what gets fun about nutrition and science is because it's not so emotional, right? <laughs> like the data supports it. So.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Totally agree with that. Let's do a, a hard pivot here. I want to talk about some of the traits of our more successful clients and not, and do it in a way where it's maybe things that are you know, not super straightforward. Like, I don't, I don't think uh, the people that adhere are more are more successful. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do the that people
1: one. people that have protein shakes. Yeah, <laughs> people who hit their
0: calories, protein and steps with <laughs> every single day forever, it's okay, I, no shit. But like, like, what are some of the things, and I guess we can go back and forth, you guys will do one, I'll do one, and um, mm-hmm. we'll kind of break it down from there. So you guys can, are very welcome to go first.
1: Well, probably one of the first things is patience. Right? Like, um, anytime we have someone who's in a was a air of desperation or urgency about it, it typically comes down to some sort of thought or belief that I that they can't feel good until they get to their goal. And that's just a recipe for burnout. That's a recipe for like draining your yeah, emotional eating, um, and just feeling pretty disillusioned by your own goals. like the process of chasing your goals, Just like we were saying earlier with exercise and nutrition, it's like it should feel as good as possible. Doesn't mean there's not going to be ups and downs in your motivation or any of that, but, um, but realizing that how you get there is everything.
0: Yeah. And I think I actually have already a post ready to go for later of, uh, basically saying like, you know, people underestimate how long it took them to get to where they are and then massively overestimate how quickly they're supposed to unravel that, it's like you're not undoing the last decade with an eight-week program. And you know, in that same vein, I think we, another similar quote is like, people massively underestimate what they can do in a year and overestimate what they can do in eight weeks. And I just think that like yeah. most of the cool shit that's gonna happen is gonna happen at the year plus mark. And if you're not, I'm not saying that it's, it's tough because you want people to be understanding that they need to be patient and this shit's gonna take time and that the cool stuff's gonna happen six months, a year, two years down the line but you also want to bring them back down to like appreciating their day-to-day tasks and so there's like mm-hmm. okay I want you to dig in for the next year. It's like okay that's a little daunting. Like so breaking that up and so I love patience is probably the, the number one thing. It's like the ability to keep going and go with the flow and ha- have speed bumps but keep pushing like and understanding it's not going to happen tomorrow and managing your expectations. I love that. It's a little bit like I want to tell people this nothing cool is going to happen for the first year. Like that's it. Like you <laughs>
1: And like, what are you, what are you in such a hurry for? Like, so that you don't have to do this crap anymore or like even the cool results that we're talking about creating like more, more muscular physique or whatever it is, like you still, it's still going to be work to maintain it. So let's get,
2: let's figure out how to love the work because it's so fun to love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That was a great one. Excellent.
2: My, so one of my big ones is also like acknowledging the fact of what you don't know. Right, I think a lot of times people have these like preconceived notions. Like, I, my favorite is, I know my body so well. It's like, okay, if you knew your body so well, you wouldn't be here getting help. You wouldn't be in the position you're in. And I think that most people think that they're very like objective about themselves, when in reality, <laughs> it's not the truth. It's like, oh. it's like they can stand in front of the mirror and be like, that's it, I look super gross. I've gained like 15 pounds. It's like, how do you know that? Like, like what's told you that? Like, it's all in your head, right? And I think so many times, I just wish women would be open to be like, you know, I don't know. I want to challenge my beliefs about carbs. I want to challenge my belief about cardio. I want to challenge my belief about the scale. You know that my activity tracker is telling me what's the truth, right? Like they—they—they're so—they're so convinced that they know everything. But it's like if you did, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> Seriously, you wouldn't be having. I'm not saying that like once you know anything, like you're never gonna ever struggle again. But I think there's so many times people hit these roadblocks because they're so stuck in doing it their way and the way that they've always done it. But in the reality of the way you've always done it is not working for you anymore. You have to get curious and be able to say, I don't know. Can you help me figure out what I don't know? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think education is a massively underrated portion of trying to improve your health. Uh, I think that that's a pillar of, of it's part of the intro speech I give when a client comes on for the first time. It's like, I can't just tell you what to do. That's not at all what we're here for. It's like, I need you to, and what's important, the best way I can phrase it is if, and sometimes I'll put this in a check-in question I wanna hear if clients can answer it. It's like, if somebody asks you what you're doing, why you're doing it, why you're doing this, why you're doing that, like, do you have an answer? Do you understand what you're doing? Because that is just gonna deepen that sense of buy-in and deepen that sense of understanding and confidence that you are in fact doing the right thing. And I just want all my clients to be able to explain why we're taking a diet break or why we're not lowering their calories or why it's important for them to take a maintenance phase in between deficits, you know, whatever. I want you to be able to explain all that stuff because if you can't explain it, you're just listening to me. And when, it, when I'm gone, then you're not gonna listen to me anymore. And that's not what I'm here for.
2: Exactly. And exactly. that right into the other one. It's like, I, I don't want to tell you what to do. <laughs> like everyone wants to be like, can you just plan all my meals for me? Tell me how to be. Tell me how to think. Tell me how to whatever. But then when you actually be like, okay, well, I'd love for you to work on this mindset thing. Oh no, 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 I don't I need, need any help mindset. with mindset. I just <laughs> need you to tell me what to do. It's like, why aren't you curious for yourself? That's what I really want to know. Like, why don't you want more for yourself? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you want to be bossed around when it comes to your life?
0: The it's, irony. It's interesting. To me. The irony is that it's usually, it's usually this feeling of of hopelessness that spurs. It's unfortunate that this. That, okay, so basically, you have a client who's who's had a bad run of things. Is feeling like super down. Their their motivation is spewed from is built from self loathing, and they're at rock bottom. And instead of at rock bottom, seeking out the best way that it might they might be able to do it, they seek out the I'll do anything. I mean, that's a massive red flag of like I'll do literally anything. It's like, okay, you'll do anything. What about? the next year of learning and uh, resistance training and high protein and body and, and, and meal composition adjustments and understanding, the port- they're like, no, 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 I told you I'd do anything. anything so you just Any, tell me anything, exactly anything, what to do, whole,
2: I'll do it. We, we always laugh at the meat song. It's like, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. But, but I won't do that, exactly. I'll do anything for results, but, but not, not that. Count,
0: count my, you know, acknowledge how count much like I'm counting. eating.
1: That's insane. insane. Water. Water. Why water? That's not sexy at all. Nobody wants yeah. water.
0: Yeah. I'll insane. take any supplement that is out there. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you sleep eight Absolutely. hours a night and come back to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, exactly. Right. And it's, I mean, it definitely, anytime there's, yeah, uh, anytime you have your worth all wrapped up in it, like I've got to hurry and get these results so that then I can feel good about myself. It's like, that's just a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Next one. It would be, you know, if, I mean, relationship with the scale is a predictor in my opinion. And I don't mean initial relationship with the scale. I think, you know, if you come to me and you, you're, you fill out the application, you're like, How, it says, how's your relationship with the scale? And you say dog shit. That doesn't mean you're not going to succeed. It's, can we move the needle, you know, to decreasing the obsession with the number and becoming more neutralized to it? Um, and, I've been finding that there's just like a, it's interesting psychology of exposure therapy of going through it. You know, I, I I believe strongly and I want to challenge this belief that going through it and facing the scale at daily weigh-ins, going through it, realizing it's going to fluctuate, learning why it fluctuates, learning learning, learning that no matter what it's going to fluctuate, even if you do, per, do everything perfectly. Like if you, one of the biggest predictors I'm going to piggyback on this is how much you get on the scale and hope that it's going to go down every day. Because even if, I'll tell you right now, I've been in a deficit for, I don't know, 24 days, I haven't missed my calories or my steps one time. And I I wanna look and I think it's 50% of the time to the dot that it went up. So even with a perfect adherence, 50% of the days it went up. And so there's just, if you're letting your day ride or die on this, the scale going up or down, like no matter what, even in the most adherent scenario, 50% of the time you're gonna be pissed off and that's just not gonna work long-term. <laughs>
2: I think that's always the end, res- the, the the big end game, right? Is how do you figure out how to get people away from the scale and what they t- say that it tells them, right? It's like scale we all know what the scale tells you, but everyone has these emotional ties to it. And they also start justifying themselves to their scale, right? They stand there and they're like, "Oh, well, I had a really bad day yesterday. Oh, I probably should go on a run." You know, this this—they have this narrative with the scale. The scale is just standing there, like, "I don't even know. I'm not telling you any of this. This <laughs> is literally all in your head." And definitely, like. I think we're always going to have a little bit of scale drama, no matter what. And I think owning that, but then figuring out and getting curious on how, on ways to beat that is better than just avoiding it altogether. Right. I think I mean, I know that's a, that's a, that's a practice for some people. They just toss the scale. They don't look at it, whatever. That's totally fine. But if you do have weight loss goals or you have certain goals, like you are going to have to pay attention to the data somehow. Right. And could you go your whole life without ever stepping on one again? Probably. But I think what's it would make more sense to figure out a way to defeat it than to just avoid it, right? I think that's a lot of people like, I just wanna, I'm just never gonna eat carbs again. I'm just gonna avoid them forever. It's like, or you can figure out a way to eat them. Agreed. and not have a bunch of noise in your head about it, right? And yep. so it's like the scale, so interesting. Like we were just talking about this earlier, how, you know, and I love this trajectory, right? We've talked about this before. I love the trajectory of people wanting to build muscle and lift and like do hypertrophy-based workouts and things like that. But it's like, you want to gain muscle, but you don't want to gain weight. So do you hear that the word gain muscle, there's the word gain in there. Why do you not understand that that requires gain? It's like, but people are so paralyzed by like, and like some girls like, I don't want to take creatine because it's going to make it go up. Well, then don't take creatine, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's like, they always want something for nothing or they want it to be like, just as is. And it's like, that's all the scale talk, right? Mm -hmm. Heidi did a grad experience one day experiment one day she weighed herself like four times throughout the day and showed all the fluctuations and it's like I think people would really really benefit from doing something like that Mm -hmm. or you know for instance myself like I'll weigh before I go into the gym I haven't eaten anything I weigh when I get home from the gym sometimes it's down a pound does that mean that I lost weight at the gym (laughs) I didn't eat you know but if it goes up and I didn't eat anything does that mean that I gained weight at the gym it's like it's such a yeah such a mind game totally Well, and I I think I love how you framed
1: it as like kind of exposure therapy to to acquaint yourself with the fluctuations and understand the why behind it. And speaking of the whys, Simon Sinek has this uh, exercise called the five whys, which could be useful for a lot of people in this situation. Like this is, it's great to have, a a measurable goal right but like where are we coming up with some of these scale goals and ask yourself why what does that what does it mean why ask yourself why again until you get to kind of what is at the bottom of it and i'd wager for a lot of women what's at the bottom of it is the scale tells them gives them permission to feel okay right we have this illusion that you know yeah exactly (laughs) we have this illusion like 190 I hate myself 189 hate 188 hate 187 hate 186 hate 185 I love myself it's like it just doesn't happen like that but yet we still think that the that this approval or this validation when a lot of us are conditioned to get that from outside of ourselves the scale is a perfect uh straw man for that right like I step on this you tell me how a I good feel. number, I feel good. You tell me a bad number, I feel bad. And then I don't decide for myself, right? Whereas like when you decide for yourself how you're going to feel, you take ownership over your own um, emotions and mindset. That's the real place of empowerment, not the perfect number on the scale. Well, the numbers
2: are so arbitrary. Like we have people, that I know you have seen and the company was like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. Like, well, how do you know that actually? Like what, what does that actually mean to you? Like, oh, I want to be 126. It's like, okay, well, what happens at 126? It's like- it's just like, oh, I know I know that if I make X amount of money, I'll be happy and never have any problems. Like, who told you that? Mm-hmm. You can you know, Heidi always likes to say something about like there's actually no extra happiness the more money you make. Like what's oh yeah. Well oh,
0: that's maybe. a real statistic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like once you're above the poverty line, your income has no correlation to your personal happiness. And yeah. I guarantee you there's some there's probably some similar type statistic with
0: weight as well. Absolutely. I I circling back, I think. The creatine discussion for those listening who are curious about creatine, which is basically everybody, the creatine conversation is, is actually the ultimate example of you exposing to yourself that you care about the number more than you should. Because creatine creatine increases intracellular water, which means it the it's not it, there's two different kinds of water retention, one intracellular, which is in the cell, and one is subcutaneous, which means below the skin. And the water weight that you think, like, that you're touching on your face or you feel like you're bloated, that is sub- subcutaneous water. That's water mm-hmm. under the skin. You can touch it. But. Intracellular water is water in the cell. Actually, makes your muscles look more "quote unquote" full, which I know is not a, a an adjective that people <laughs> enjoy hearing. But what it actually does it makes your muscles look more defined and actually probably makes you look leaner. And so, a good example is there are bodybuilders who will take creatine all the way up until the show, and these are bodybuilders who need to be as peeled as possible. And so, if they were looking to reduce all water weight that was you know non-esthetic, they would remove this. Um, I don't know necessarily the state of that at the moment, but I know that that's a, a practice that isn't necessarily super founded upon. So so like if you're, someone's like, I, I took creatine, I gained three pounds. It's like, okay, you gained maybe three pounds, maybe. And maybe some of that goes away. But whatever you gained is water. It's intracellular water. It's in the muscle. It makes you look more lean. It changed the number on the scale. And so you're pissed. But it's exposing the fact that you actually care more about that number. Because I just told you it has nothing to do with your aesthetics. Probably is a net improvement in your aesthetics. And... Oh, j- j- totally pushing aside all the benefits of creatine. We're not even gonna talk about the fact that even if you gain three pounds of subcutaneous water, like the, the benefits from a muscle and strength perspective, potential cognitive benefits are like, well, worth it. But I've also told you that it adds to your aesthetics. And you're like, I hear you, better aesthetics, stronger, uh, potential cognitive benefits. I'm up three pounds though. This is what, the, t- the scales are not balanced. I don't want it. And so if you're caring about creatine water weight right now, I promise you, you're just exposing yourself as someone who cares about the number way more than you should.
2: Mm-hmm. and cares about the number way more than anything else. And so yeah. own it, right? right? It's the same thing with like, I want to gain muscle, but I don't want to gain. It's like, well, then you don't really care about muscle that much, yeah. which is cool. If right. you know that about yourself, takes it off the table. We always True. talk about that, right? Remove what you're not willing to sacrifice for your own, you know, self-esteem, right? If, if, if the scale changing is going to destroy your soul, then please <laughs> do not do these things. <laughs>
0: sure, sure. And, and, and something else you guys had said is when you have a client who's like, oh, i come to you, I just want to lose 20 pounds. It's like, it's important to give them another measuring stick. It's important to give them many other measuring sticks, other things to judge progress by because right now they've come to you in a very clearly singular focus of a number being lower and it's your job to introduce them to other versions of success, other meanings of success, other ways to measure success. Strength in the gym is probably the one I would go to right immediately after. It's like, you know, I haven't gained or lost a pound. It's like, okay, benching 30 pounds, whatever the hell it is, but like improvements in performance and strength and confidence and, you know, even just technique improvements. I... I find totally. that be almost equal with strength is clients who feel like they're doing something competently. A client who improves their squat technique or RDL technique or whatever it is, like whether or not they're doing more weight or not, they see a video of themselves on week one and week 12 and they're like, oh my God, I'm doing this like somebody who knows what they're doing. And that in an outside <laughs> of just I know you guys are the same. The first time you did a really great squat or you're a good deadlift that you're not a question mark deadlift. You're like, wow, I look good doing that. I feel good doing that. I feel confident and competent doing that. So I find that you need to give these more measuring sticks.
2: But it's tricky though, because I think there's a a group of people who don't care about that. Agreed. So then what do you do with that? Like, I mean, this is just like an honest to goodness question because I think there are women who don't give two craps about PRs. They don't care about lifting heavy. They don't really care about being strong. They don't care about really anything, but being smaller. And that gets tricky, right? Cause you're like, okay, well, non-scale victories and how do your clothes fit? How, it doesn't matter. It's like the scale is the end all be all. And I think that that's such a tricky place to land because you have one stick. And what do you do when your stick doesn't tell you what it needs to? Yeah, absolutely. Which is like, again, I mean, we always
1: say exercise is the habit that unites all other healthy habits. It's not so much where you're looking to create your calorie, you know, your calorie deficit from it's really like, it's a way to be in your body and enjoy your body, develop a good relationship with your body, increase that body awareness. um, Be grateful for what you can do. Like there's so many things. And one of the, one of the, one of the sneaky ways we hook women into weightlifting is, is the best thing you can do for that, for that pooch <laughs> is compound heavy weightlifting.
0: Yeah. You had said something genuine, Natalie, you asked a genuine question. It's like, what do you do with those people? And there is, I'm willing to work with anybody. And actually the person who comes to me like that, I see that as somebody I'd like to work with. Cause for me, overcoming that challenge with them is going to be more rewarding for me as a coach. And I think better for them over the long term. but there is a moment in time at which I will just say, i this is not something me and my quality of life, I don't necessarily want to work with somebody who is, you know, I want to work with anybody and it's not my job to tell you what you want, but I'm, we, the three of us have been doing this long enough where we can kind of catch on to when you, what you know, what a happier overall life might look like. It might look like slightly lower body obsession. It look like might look like slightly more, you know, appreciation for what your body can do. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you cannot care at all about how you look and you can only have to care about what your body can do. You can do both. But I think there is, I'm not in the business of helping you get smaller so that you'll love yourself. Like, I, I'm not helping you do that. Um, I will, along the way, as we maybe do some of that, try and work together on, on a, you know, on some form of mental growth, To try and get you to a place that, again, I don't, it's not like I'm your parent and I know what's best for you. But again, we've been doing this long enough that, man, sounds like you could have a better quality of life not hating yourself until you got Mm -hmm. to 126. So there's definitely a point, say it out loud, where I'm just, I'm not going to help you with that anymore, you know?
1: Well, absolutely. And like, here's the thing that is just like, if it, if that worked, well, okay, then. Then, that, then let's do that, I guess. But it doesn't even work because when women achieve this elusive weight, they're so terrified of losing it that they just exchange one prison for another.
0: Love that. Got chills. Totally agree. It's you don't <laughs> you don't arrive at a destination of happiness, and the whole ride there, you were not happy, and then all of a sudden you got out of the car and now you're happy. It's just not how it works. I find that there's a video I sent to my clients early on that you guys, you know, may be getting soon. It's called the self-efficacy pit stop. And it's maybe like 14 days into working together. You, in 14 days, nobody has made any physical changes. Nobody has made any uh, uh, anything tangible that they could see in the mirror or whatever. But it's my job, hopefully, in that first 14 days or first 30 days to get you to this self-efficacy efficacious self-efficacy pit stop where you feel like the train is on the tracks and you feel like you're headed in a, a more positive direction. You feel more competent about what you're doing, more confident about everything that is laid out in front of you. And it's, I want to get people to that spot as fast as possible. It's not about, I don't, you're never going to be happy. Like when you get there, it's my job to make you feel confident about the path you're on because you'll be more appreciative, more enjoy it. You'll enjoy understanding how what you do today affects the long term mentally, physically. And so I really love seeing that change in rhetoric for like the way, maybe even just subtle word changes that clients will use in the first 30 days that make me know they know that they're feeling good about the direction they're going even and not so focused on point B down the road, years down the road potentially, but they're thinking, okay, I actually feel really good right now because I know that what I'm doing right now has a positive effect for me.
2: Well, one of the things we like to do, I mean, I think that force is a really strong word, but we also like to force women to kind of see (laughs) past what the numbers say, right? I mean, I know that you do this too. It's like, we really encourage people to write, like, what actions were you proud of this week? And it literally could be like, I actually got up early every single day to do something. And it's like, as you kind of like tick the boxes of the things that you're proud of for yourself, that builds confidence. And then confidence allows you to be open-minded to other things, which then maybe does result in you being open to lifting weights. Mm -hmm. Maybe it does result in you being curious about like, huh, I wonder if I could go heavier, right? But it's like, until you really have any kind of win, you don't actually know what you want for yourself, right? It's like, it, it opens up a gate. And I think that starting in a place where you have women who really only care about the scale or being smaller or getting back into their jeans that they wore in high school or their pre baby weight or their wedding, wedding day or whatever it is, it's like finding little wins and finding those things that I think that the mindset really does bring into it. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much weight loss is mindset connected. Oh, and yeah. it's like when we have people and like, I know you as well, Jordan, have people that like come in with a piece that like, I really have stuff that I need to work on in my headspace. That is somebody who's successful is because they realize that it's so much more than just weight loss because we do, we have a lot of people who are like, if I just get back down 10 pounds, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But in reality, when everyone anyone says that, we don't automatically like. Oh, but you need more work on your head than you do on the scale. Well, Absolutely, because like, what did what did what did she just say? She just said, "If I
1: meet this condition, then I can love myself." So let's call that what it is: conditional self acceptance. And if that's the way you want to continue, that's you know that's going to be a really uphill, difficult battle. My youngest daughter has autism, and she one of the things when she learns a new skill in a specific environment the next step is to generalize that skill. So if she can say please to me at home, we're going to try and get her to say please to somebody at the grocery store or something like that. And similarly, when you conquer some of these mindset dragons with weight loss, you will see the benefits in other areas of your life as well. When you stop shorting yourself calories, you realize what you deserve. When you start challenging yourself to lift something heavy and you believe you can do it and you show yourself you can do it. When you fail and you're willing to try again, Self-confidence is not always about the wins. It's about how you treat yourself when you when you disappoint yourself, when you fail as well.
0: Yeah. The problem is that most people will listen to what you just heard and think that it is woo-woo, not available to them. And that's the problem. The truth is it exists. That is everything you said is so true and you guys are living proof of it. We uh, you know, a lot of us are living proof of it. This is a form of confidence and external from your the you know, way your body looks that you guys are deriving you know, a good feeling about your life. And I just think that people hear that and they just, it's a shame that you can't, that's not, you can't post that in a transformation photo. You know, there's just, you can't see it and you can't feel it. And you really need to go through it. So it's your job to literally, you know, I'm not saying manipulate, but like you need to get a client through that and get them there. And it's almost like you, I want to tell you how nice this, this, this hike is that we're going on, but like, I'd rather show you and we need to go through it. And then, you know, trust me, and let, take a leap of faith, and I promise you, on the other end, you'll look back and be like, wow, big change, yeah.
1: It's training wheels, right? Like, I we all need a, we all need a support system, and how wonderful to have one when you're starting something new. Whether it's a lifting coach, a macro coach, a life coach, a therapist, yeah. a good friend, what have you.
0: Yeah, I wanna throw something at you guys really quick about the scale. So, uh, you know, there's a camp of people that would probably say, don't ever get on the scale, no use in doing it, you know, don't, don't let it dictate your day, all of this stuff, and and then I would probably lean a little bit towards the opposite direction, the exposure therapy side of, like, let's neutralize it, let's make it not a thing, but something that I've learned, and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, and I wasn't sure if I want to talk about it on the podcast, but I want to get your guys' take on it, so I've been, again, I'm, like, whatever, three, three and a half weeks in, and I caught myself, me, by the way, who I think I have a decent amount of experience, my head's on straight, like I'm from, I understand this is, I do this all for fun, it's a cool experience. Um, but I caught myself getting on the scale and hoping it went down. And that's where I went to go look at how many days it didn't. And it was about 50% of the time. And I would get on the scale and I'd look between my feet and I was like, okay, I'm just not not hoping with, you know, my whole day's happiness hanging in the balance, but I was hoping. And when it went down, I was like, ah, oh, cool. And when it went up, I was like, ah, oh, crap. And I, I realized that like no matter what it said, Yes, my my emotional responses were, you know, out of 10 in magnitude, very close to neutral. I wasn't freaking out, but I was having a positive or negative reaction. It was small, but whatever, and it was fine. And it didn't change how I acted that day, which is something I would tell a client. It's like, okay, don't let that emotion dictate your actions. But I started actually using my Bluetooth scale and getting on the scale and, not, and just not looking, counting to 15 and then getting off and going about my day. And at the end of the week, I would open up the app and I'd see all seven weigh-ins. And I caught myself thinking, like, am I avoiding that exposure? Am I missing out on potentially growing as a person by avoiding it? Or am I, is this a creative strategy for you to get daily data? Because getting daily data is important. You could say, oh, why not just weigh every Saturday? It's like, okay, I don't want one data point. I want seven data points. I want a weekly average. I want to know that the scale fluctuates. I want to see it fluctuate. I want to see the average week to week. I don't just want one data point. If I have a salty carby meal, I'm up four pounds. I think nothing happened or I gained four pounds, whatever. And so the last couple of weeks I've been doing that. and I. You know, the truth is you get on the scale every morning and you have an emotional response, whether it's very small magnitude or very large, but no matter what happens on the scale, you do not change what you do that day. And so like you, I want the data every day, but I only need the data probably every two weeks because I'm not changing anything at the soonest for every two week block. And so it's like, I want the daily data, but it's not telling me something that I'm acting upon. It's telling me something that I'm logging for a two week aggregate where then I I will assess whether something needs to change. And I I found myself really liking it. Now the confounding variable is I've lost weight the two weeks in a row that it happened. And so I don't know if the counter would be like really pissed off, but I don't know. It's just interesting thing that I've had a couple of clients try out and they're like, it's been really great because I want that daily weigh in. I just know that no matter if it goes down and I was like successful, like I'm not gonna eat more that day. And if it went up, I'm not gonna eat less that day or at least you shouldn't. And so it was like a way of uh, getting the data because I think the data is important without having to think about whether or not something's gonna change today because it isn't.
2: Well, I think first of all, I mean, that would be ideal, right? If people could actually talk themselves through like what the averages mean, right? And not make, decisions like we, we like, you know, outcome-based decisions, but a lot of people don't, they just, they, they make decisions based on their emotion. I think what's interesting about what you're saying. And first of all, I also love that you acknowledge a dude has the same kind of issues as far as like the emotional tie to the scale. I think a lot of times, sometimes we feel a little paralyzed, like, gosh, it's just a girl thing, but <laughs> it's nice to know that it affects, you know, men as well. But I think what's interesting about the whole thing, and I just kind of had this like little bit of an aha while you're talking about it, is that we all know how we feel when it's down but we're not sure what to do when it's up emotionally. Like we all know when we see it down, there's always like a, ha check that out, right? <laughs> we're excited for it, right? Unless you're in like a game phase, blah, blah, blah. That's like a tiny little like percentage of people who do that. But most people, when they see the scale down are, are delighted, right? But when it's up, we're not sure how to feel about it. Even though we don't want it to bother us, we don't want to feel negative about it, but we don't, we haven't had enough practice on how to feel about it when it is up. And I think that that's a, a huge missing piece for myself included, it's just like, I haven't spent enough time being uncomfortable with that upward trend in a way to honor it the same way that I can honor a downward trend, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and BioLane has like, I love his analogy about the stock market, right? It's like, you don't pull out because you have one bad day at the stock market. You watch the trends, you know, and, and arguably you don't really, really need to even watch your stocks until you're really ready to pull out, right? You're thinking of really cashing in, selling it, or you hear something like, oh, maybe it's a good time. And kind of to your point about like not checking the data religiously, it's like, Unless you're really ready to make some decisions based on your deficit and, you know, whether you're gonna adjust your numbers or whatever, it's not really it doesn't really make any sense to look at it until you're ready to take action. Just like you're just like the stock market, right? And I think so with all this to say, it's like managing your emotions around it obviously makes the most sense. If you can figure out a way to do that in like a very clear, clarity bound way versus an emotional way. Well how that it, what to happen? I have no idea how that works. I don't know, but when you sounds good
0: when you when you actually get on the scale and the scale goes down, like you said, we all know how we all know how to react then. But actually, I find that it's super fascinating. The creation of a positive experience in that moment actually sets you up for a future negative. Like the more you are excited when the scale goes down, you are setting yeah. yourself up for an equal and opposite emotion when the scale goes up. And so it's like you. It's not about getting less pissed off when the scale goes down de- or goes up. It's about not feeling or, or bringing the magnitude of your emotion closer to baseline in both directions. Because if you're getting a t- an eight out of 10 excited when it goes down, you will be at least an eight out of 10 pissed off. And if you start not getting excited when it, like you need to have the same emotion when it goes down as it goes up. And there's a Mark Manson quote, I had to just Google it. And it's the desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. And so if you're, if it goes up, and you're accepting that, that is a good thing. It's a step in the right direction. That's mental growth. And if it goes down and you want that and you you aren't hoping and waiting, that is also probably a step forward in the right direction.
2: And that comes down to when people base all their good feelings on the scale number. And that's like the full circle, right? It's like you have to remove that element that the scale actually tells you something about you. Mm-hmm. Because if you are always looking to scale for validation of your efforts, it's always going to mess with you regardless of how much thought work you do around it. Exactly. Um,
1: Well, and it's the same thing with comparing yourself to other people. If sometimes you, you like to feel better than other people, that means you also, you also have to feel worse than other people. Sometimes. Um, I think that it's interesting. I, you, you mentioned like, I wonder if I'm missing out on growth by, by doing it every two weeks. And I think that's a really interesting question that again goes circles back to what we were saying earlier about just kind of knowing yourself and striking that balance because Literally, like, on the one hand, it could be a good exercise in experiencing negative emotion and, like, coaching yourself through it, right? Really, um, like, it's been said, the worst thing that can happen to you is a negative emotion. So it could be, like you were saying, exposure therapy for, for doing that. As long as you're not gaslighting yourself into, like, trying to eradicate your emotions, but rather really, like, being there for yourself, like, of course... Dude, you're cutting calories like this is you're you're putting a lot of emphasis on like getting your steps. It's an investment. It's an emotional investment. Right. And who among us doesn't like things the way that we like them? Right. So it's so it's kind of just being a little patient with yourself and realizing you're already at the effect of your emotion. You're experiencing a physical, emotional reaction. It's too late for a self lecture. This is the time where you like where you are nice to yourself. You, you're your own hype man, and you reassure yourself that things are all gonna work out. Yep. Right. Whereas like so many of us when we get into that low energy state that's when we pile on like oh and what about all these other problems and your workout sucked and you will never be successful whatever it's really again like how you treat yourself when you are in the midst of a negative emotion or a perceived failure disappointment that is that is your level of self-confidence it's not how you react when you win it's how you react when you fail
0: awesome cool I have us uh, down. We got like 10 minutes left and I'm wondering if you guys want to do some coaching pet peeves or you guys want to talk about expectations?
1: Oh, well, it's kind of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs)
0: go ahead. Get us started. Let's do some pet peeves. Tell me about expectations. Go ahead.
1: Um, Pet peeves are probably... um, and Peeve makes it sound like I'm really annoyed with people when actually, this is one of the most heartbreaking things that I see is when p- women are just so ruthlessly judgmental about themselves and they make their behavior um, mean something about who they are. Uh, one of the biggest exercises we do with our clients is whenever anybody has like an emotional eating night or whatever, we ask them to go back through their day and put themselves in context. And more often than not, they had some crazy, exponential, stressful, Never had a break kind of day, and their willpower ran out. So that's why they ended up in some sort of out of control situation. Women, women, men probably do this too. Just expect ourselves to uh, act with a hundred percent capacity, regardless of the of the stressors in our environment and in our own heads. So really, again, replacing judgment, replacing judgment with curiosity and wonder, asking yourself questions like. What did I, what did go on today? When did, could I have used a break earlier in the day? Why do, why am I doing the things I'm doing and not have the answer like, because you suck, but because like what literally went on in your day, what were the stressors that were on you? Those kinds of questions. For me, one
2: of my big ones is, all the reasons they can't do something Mm. um you know henry ford says whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right and i think that a lot of times people want these things for themselves but they're unwilling to change anything about their lives and that really frustrates me only because nothing changes if nothing changes but nobody wants to think into that like they just want to make excuses for all the reasons and and contrary to popular belief, like thinking about weight loss or thinking about counting macros doesn't actually get it done. (laughs) Like, you know, awareness breeds action. And and I really, really love people who are action takers, but there are so many people who are either paralyzed by their own beliefs or paralyzed by the conflicts of their day and their illusions of like this can't that it actually prove they actually prove themselves right. So, I mean, once again, on to Heidi's point, it's like not a pet peeve and like it it annoys me, but it, it just, it's, it's so hard. I know, you know, too, two Jordans, like when you see somebody who has this incredible potential and they're actually really set up for success, yep. but yet they refuse to take action on it. And therefore not only are you unable to help them be successful, but they are unable to be successful. And then it just gets really, really frustrating because you're just like, if you would have just dropped this all or nothing thinking we would actually be in such an incredible place. But because you're so desperate to cling on to that, we're not allowed to have any kind of success at all right something is better than nothing but a lot of people just don't believe that and so that's a big pet peeve of mine
0: yeah and i think you guys put put a, a good uh definition to pet peeve certainly not something that we're frustrated with people about just something that we probably wish we'd really like to help with and that the, that might yeah. be uh unfortunate you know i think that it brings back to the podcast that i just did with with kim schlag and, I, and it, my mind is spinning because this is again a pet peeve but in the way that you guys had said it where it's like just unfortunate we swung so far in the direction of People doing crazy shit. We've been through the, I mean, fat diets have always existed, but I feel like it's just picked up with social media with this, the vast expectations and you've got to do this crazy thing that's totally outside of your norm. Um, and then, and then we actually swung really far in the other direction of don't change anything. Fat loss shouldn't, you know, n- any form of restriction, restraint, cognitive restraint, anything is bad. You shouldn't have to do any of that. And I think we swung so far in that direction that now people don't know what to do. They're like, I'm either going to go keto or I'm literally going to change nothing and just, and, and pray at night. And so, you are allowed to and probably should be changing something about your, uh, you should be changing something about the way you live slash eat slash workout slash something about your life if you're looking to change something about your life. And it's like uh, a lot of people that are like, yeah, they cling on to something. And I'm like, no, no, that's the thing that might need to change a little bit. Maybe not forever. That's a conversation for another day. But I do think that there's this like, we swung super far in one direction of it's gotta be this massive overhaul and you can't possibly you know, achieve any sort of body composition change with anything remotely close to your normal life, all the way to, you know, any form of restraint is inherently disordered. And, you know, even just tracking your calories and bringing them lower is in and of itself, you know, a precursor to an eating disorder. And it's like, hold on, slow down. Like you're allowed to change some things. Like this doesn't like a, you know, I don't have to either change everything or change nothing. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Absolutely.
2: Well, the second you're not changing anything, you're already getting worse. So for all these people who are like fixated on like freezing something or like this is it, it's like the second you're not evolving it, it's already depreciating. <laughs> right. Well, and people, I think that
1: have that perspective, assume that any sort of change that you make has to be predicated on self-loathing. And I take real issue with that. Like I, I think that um, creating healthy change that promotes growth, that's expanding ourselves, pursuing your passions. That's what we're about goes to what we were saying earlier. It's like, if you are, if you are looking to change conditions so that you can like yourself more, let's, let's look, let's look a little closer at that. Right. Whereas if you can like yourself now and your goals don't have to be all tangled up with your self-worth, literally anything is possible for you.
2: And we love like it's, if, if you can't love yourself where you're at, it's not about weight loss then. Yeah. Because you could lose 15 pounds and you'll still hate yourself. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think that most people come to us with that are highly motivated. I almost, it's almost a shame. It's probably correlated high, high motivation with high self-loathing. It's like a, it's an odd negative form of motivation. And there's a way strategically as a coach to like help that person, you know, you kind of channel that into a little bit more of a positive light, but that is unfortunately where a lot of people's motivation is coming from for sure. Yeah. Excellent. I'd say that the, one of the pet peeves, I think you guys have, we've all talked about this at some point is like some, a disconnect between your words and your actions Like I'll level with you. Everybody listening to this, like you don't have to do shit. Like you don't have to lose weight. You don't have to build muscle. You don't have to do anything. You could do literally whatever you want. I am full personal autonomy, body autonomy. You do whatever you want. But the, 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 the action cost of saying you want something is at the same time, like saying you want something needs to be synonymous with a recognition of what that thing costs and a willingness to pay it. Like you can't, like you can say, it's a different, I would say every time someone's like, oh, I really want a Lamborghini. It's like, no, you don't, you wish you had a Lamborghini. If you want a Lamborghini, you can get a Lamborghini. You can do the things you need to do to get a Lamborghini. You you wish you had a Lamborghini, that's very different. Like like you wanting something needs to be synonymous with be willing to work for it. You could say if everybody replaced their bullshit I want with wish they'd feel a lot more like oh yeah that's why I don't have it right because I'm just wishing for it okay that makes a lot more t- I wish I was leaner it's like okay cool like good fingers crossed like do your best like whatever the, this thing is and then the Jews do something else like it's fine like like but like you want something like it needs to be synonymous with a willingness to work for otherwise it's just a wish and then then okay then you should understand why you don't have it.
2: Oh, oh, we had to talk gosh, about. So good, oh, it's so good. And a lot of times we talk about like sometimes you know people want all these things, but if it was given to you today, you wouldn't even know how to maintain it. You you haven't had you haven't learned anything about it. You don't know how to support it at all. It's like let's just say we gave you a Lamborghini for your birthday, Jordan. Like would you even know how to drive it right out the gate? You would think you would, but in reality, there's a skill involved. Right? Stick Having
0: the fuck out of here.
2: Right? See, <laughs> and you know we you know we look at some of these people and like you know one of the girls that we like to follow, she has like a what three hundred and yeah three hundred and fifteen pound back squat okay it's like she looks incredible but given that body would i even know how to do a three hundred fifty pound back squat mentally would i even dare <laughs> to even try
1: even you 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 freaky friday us and i had her body it's like okay heidi go go squat
2: three fifteen i crap my pants and that's what it comes out of. it's like you don't really want a lamborghini you just want a nicer car than you currently have and it's like i think the goals are the same way it's like you don't really want a six-pack you just want to have you just want a flatter stomach I mean, it's like, it's okay to like take the like the goals off the wish list, right? And make it like a realistic list, right? And I think that a lot of people just, they just dream. I mean, it's good to dream big, but also it's better to dream realistic.
0: <laughs> the people that have the body you want probably live a life you would fucking hate. And so it's super important for you to realize that. Like the people that you see on Instagram, like I'll tell you right now, I don't, I'm not saying I'm like completely out of like living up in, in a, as a hermit up in the world with no social life, but. I barely. I had two drinks yesterday for at like a surprise birthday party, and that was like I was half hammered. Like, and so I barely drink ever. Uh, We rarely, not rarely, go out to eat, but like I guess less frequently, less than once a week, we go out to eat. We mostly cook. I live with somebody. I'm in a relationship with somebody who's very much like me, similar health values. I have no kids. I work from fucking home all day. Like, and that can be a (laughs) pro and a con, but like this this life most people would fucking hate. And maybe you'd hate, you'd hate it or not, it's not the life you're living. like. And so it's like, somebody's like, wow man, goals. It's like, really though? Like you have like two kids and a, a job and a good nice relationship and you you go out and you do you really wanna not do most of those things? And you could have my body, you could trade if you want, like no problem, but like most people that look the way you wanna look live a life and involve, that involves trade-offs that you would absolutely hate. And so I think that you, Natalie, there's a good sentiment where you're like, hey, let's bring your 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 kind of what you want. It's like, hey, you don't really need to look shredded. You just wanna look a little bit better than you right, you do right now. That's true, but the person still wants to look shredded. And my advice to that person is like, get a list, go to the, go to Best Buy and look at this. I was, we were shopping for TVs and there's like this, you know, there's like crazy, these like crazy 4K TVs with like the, the gecko and it looks like it's coming out of the screen, whatever. And I was like, wow, I really want that dead serious. Looked at Jen and the guy came over to help us. We have no, no idea what we're talking about. And he told us how much it was, how much it cost. And I was like, Oh great. I'm never going to think about this ever again. Cause I don't actually want it. Cause it's $2,500. Like, and so once you realize someone's like, Hey, I want to be shredded. I'm like, that's cool. Count your macros and lift four times a week for mm, two to 10 years. Uh, you know, probably don't go out and probably don't drink very much and get eight, eight hours of sleep. And Sleep, you know, have a sleep routine within the same hour of waking and going to sleep for probably the next, you know, two to 10 years. And someone's like, oh, okay, no, I don't really actually want that. Like, if you'd be yes. a lot happier if you came to terms with what things cost and you actually were like, I, I don't know who which one of you guys said it, but like kind of packaged it away or, or filed it away into the, this would be cool, but I don't actually want to work for it. So I can stop thinking about it so much. Like you hanging on to wanting to be lean and shredded for the next 40 years when not one day of those 40 years, did you actually want to do what it took to get that? And I'm not trying to motivate anybody here. I think it's a massive waste of time to try and lose the last five pounds. Like get the last bit of fat off is a big air quotes going on. But like, I think it's a massive waste of time for almost everybody. Um, and so I just wish that people could compartmentalize what they want with, you know, into a, fi- just fold, just file it away into the, hey, this would be cool, but I don't actually want this or I can't actually achieve it right now based on my current life. And thus I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. Sorry, big rant.
1: Well, no, amazing rant actually. Well, and there's some similar parallels to macro counting or anything else, right? It's like once you see the, co- the cost of what that, in defense of tracking once you see the cost of it it'll help you figure out whether or not that thing is worth it to you right well and to your point you had asked us about this comment we made about what it takes like what nat and i do to just be normal civilians right like we're not we're not all about bod shots or anything like that but five years of consistency with macros and lifting heavy and ten thousand steps a day and getting plenty of water and getting plenty of sleep watching our recovery like lifting five days a week like and and here we are we're, we're normal <laughs> like this is what it takes to be normal where a lot of people think oh if i did all of those things then i would be this like i would be a jordan lips and it's like there's some exponential effort involved in getting those really incredible aesthetic jacked results it's exponential inv- effort involved in that like beyond the basics that we should all be doing regular exercise good step count you know it's like you don't get credit for brushing your teeth
2: and flossing. Yes. these are the normal day-to-day habits of a healthy lifestyle minus the jacked part right, right. the jacked part requires even more exponential and i don't think people have a grasp of what it really takes just to be normal
0: yeah yeah And I'm not mad at, and I'm not, and I, we listed that on the pet peeves. I'm not mad at anybody who's out there thinking, oh, I want this, but I'm wrestling with the, I'm wrestling with a lot of people out there wrestling with the fact that they want something they're not willing to work for, but it's, you know, I hope that that wrestling leads to you either rationalizing doing it or rationalizing not doing it. And you'll be way happier if you, it's a way happier life to stop, harping on the fact that you want this thing you're not you're you're not either willing to or capable of doing right now like it's a happier life to be like you know what i'm hammering my head against the wall trying to cut trying to cut trying to cut and i keep ending up at maintenance because my life is really stressful and really difficult right now so guess what let's purposefully go at maintenance put this other yeah. thing on the back burner and and yeah so yeah for sure listen give yourself a chance
1: to grow into it
0: excellent yeah, absolutely it's, it's wonderful you guys have given me a ton of your time i love you guys both to death it's been a wonderful conversation tell everybody where they can hear you and we'll wrap things up
2: you can find us at www.butteryourmacros.com or at Better Your Macros on Instagram, or if you're like under 20, we're on TikTok at What's Up Butters, <laughs> and if you're like maybe over 20 on Twitter, we're also at What's Up Butters.
0: <laughs> TikTok is a dark hole, and if there's any, Gen Z has no chill, and I'm super nervous about, I posted my first take, that was some shit. It was, it was, <laughs> it was wild. The comment section was wild
2: you just have to find your people on tiktok because they totally exist and most of us find our people on the adhd section that's all
0: yeah seriously i'm finding my kids at most like teen, teens time. and tots or something it's like a fucking it's insane out there like
2: change your the, hashtags bro
0: that is not it it's a change your oh my god it was i'm getting i'm sweating right now it was i i sat on the couch for like i told jenna i was like i'm gonna give myself 20 minutes to answer these these comments and then i'm shutting it down and like three hours later i'm like I'm like fighting with some 11 year old who's like telling me that like like pulse pulse glute kickbacks with a band is like excellent for glute gains, and I'm like hitting him with like like PubMed articles, and I'm like, what am I doing? What like this is absolutely no reason for me to be arguing with them, but I've I've heard that it's I was not like a me thing that this is just like just this this Gen Z like overall feeling of like you know, anonymity that allows them to just feel like, and they've gathered all this. And there was a guy, our friend, JB, who's like posting as a guy's like, don't listen, This it's there's small water and big water. And I wanted to smack myself in the fucking face because he was like, don't don't drink this Fiji water because it doesn't, the molecules are too big. I lost it anyway, that's TikTok for you.
2: This is the thing about TikTok. It gives you content. <laughs> that is what you have to look at. Oh I, I, yeah, <laughs> I like making
0: the content. Sure, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Content to work off of. Like you take a screenshot of the comment section, and you just debunk the hell out of it because no. this is the problem with it: that if somebody believes it, a lot of people believe it. Totally, it's the problem. It
0: motivated me to keep going. It just also motivated so me to not have children. To be
2: on big water and small water. <laughs> oh, I can't
0: wait. It'll be a three-minute. It'll be a three-minute podcast about me just holding my head in my hands, disappointed <laughs> in society. Yeah, in our nation's youth, <laughs> we're fucked.
2: Get some botox before because your furrowed brows and it' real intense. If you can't take
0: something it's serious. I'll show my age. Okay, guys, thanks for coming on. Appreciate appreciate you guys giving me your time. Wonderful episode. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Jordan.
0: Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at JordanLipsFitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.